Yo, yo, what's up? This is Sync Gems episode two. And on today's episode, we have Sigurd or Sigurd Jung Janssen. In this interview, we take a deep dive into the trailer space and into what it took for Sigurd to get from a beginner to landing a Marvel placement. We talk about how to find your own voice in the trailer space and in the ad space as well. Right in the middle, we get real deep into happiness, well-being, and why taking time off is sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself and for your creativity. And if it's a subject that speaks to you less, you can fast forward 10 minutes because we get right back at it. We talk sync fees, working with paying libraries, working with paying customers, and why it's so great to be an artist in the sync space. There are so many gems and so many drop the mic moments. I couldn't, I, I stopped counting after like 10. So just stick with it. And if you really enjoy it, go ahead and subscribe. Leave a five-star review and a comment. It really helps to promote the podcast. And it also lets me know that I'm doing something good and giving some value to people around the world. So without further ado, my boy, Zikuld Jonk Janssen. Yeah, you're in Denmark at the moment. Yeah. And um, you have been at this uh, music grind for a long time. Oh, yeah. We'll touch that, we'll touch that briefly. Um, and I want to touch all the things that you haven't touched. And I know you're just a wealth. So that's why I wanted to have you here. And I wanted to, I wanted to, um, to start with when was making music your, your full time? When did that start being a thing for you? Oh man, that's a good question. Because the, the thing is that while trying to become full-time, um, I had this great, great uh, job as a music teacher. Um, not, not the one-on-one kind of teaching, but, but in, a, in, in, a, in a normal school, you know, where you have math and English class and, and all these kind of things. And there I had uh, music lessons with uh, kids of all ages. Um, and I, I, I guess uh, even though I could actually go full-time only writing music, um, I kind of stuck around for the teaching thing because one thing is to make a living with music, but another thing is that when you make a living composing music for other people or sound designing, sound effects, and, and so on, is that... You wake up and you go in, in your studio or whatever room you uh, use to, to do this kind of work and you're just alone. And it, it can get uh, a bit lonely and a bit boring sometimes not having people around, you know. So for quite some time, actually, I, I, I stuck around for, for the teaching job just to be around people and you know you're, you get to learn these kids that you you teach during the classes and during the years so i i, I kind of tried to stick out with both <laughs> gigs at the same time which of course was 
financially great. You certainly have two great paying things, right? But um, over the time, it's it's you know there's only 24 hours in in <laughs> in a day, and and I I like to sleep too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I I made a living doing music for some time while having a side job because I enjoyed it. But but I guess now it it has to just be music, and then I can visit the the old colleagues and kids once in a while when I have the time, you know. Yeah. Did I answer the question? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that, I mean, because you were touring for a while. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. So so the transformation was from touring from teaching to touring. Was that the tra- was that where you made the switch or? Well, the whole deal with teaching started because as everyone trying to do music professionally knows it's it's basically really really hard to do um and so the teaching job was uh, was was kind of meant at the start you know at as the sidekick you know to make some money while you try mm-hmm. to get your band going and touring with different artists uh, and so on so so it kind of grew together uh, in some sort of way and then of course more touring kicked in and i teach uh, a bit less uh, and then I, I i got this big interest slowly but but i got the interest of of you know doing music for for video games and trailers and tv and uh, all this stuff so kind of naturally without even you know sitting down and thinking about it uh, it's just surely graduated from from touring into focus focusing more on writing while still doing the the whole teaching thing and um, and yeah that then it just became composing in the end <laughs> and and now i just do a bit of touring here and there for fun yeah 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 you you told me as a way of uh vacation that's hilarious yeah it's it's I a lo- great vacation right i love it i love <laughs> yeah. it yeah there are so many ways I wanted to go from your uh, conversation with uh, with Richard because you explain about how you got into the um, video game world and how that unraveled. Yeah. And then in t- 2017, you start uh, writing trailer music and slowly, slowly you become, you, you gain more clout and you make one after the other and, and have a lot of collaborations. With a lot of libraries, and then oh yeah, a question that I have um, right now for right now: how many how many libraries do you regularly work with? Oh man, <laughs> I have to count inside because you know there there are there are the ones that I you know almost have daily contact with, not just you know work wise, but also you know. Just asking, how's it going? What we're we doing, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, so there are the libraries that that I talk to all the time and and constantly write to, and then there are the libraries that just maybe one or two times a year since a brief, you know, because you're in 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 already in their paperwork from previous albums. But I would say if I have to go with the ones that I'm, I'm working closely 
with, I would say, four or five, five libraries, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And I wanna, I wanna backtrack. I wanna go back in time. When you were, when you started composing, you know, you don't start seeing anything immediately from from sync. It takes time. And oh yeah. What What did your What did your goals look like? It, the reason it fascinates me bec- is because it took you like two years to start really gaining clout, right? Yeah. Like it took you two years to start like really <laughs> yeah. seeing seeing the 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 happy faces from the the this industry. So yeah. you know what? If I were to focus my question, what did the first two years look like? Well, basically, looked like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, money-wise, you know, money-wise, it was uh, nothing uh, regarding trailer music. Um, the the thing is that when you do these trailer tracks, if if I do a full album, it sometimes happens. If I do a full album for a publisher and they release it out to the industry today, you can be extremely lucky, and there's an editor that gets the album in his or her hands, right? Uh, and it fits perfectly for what they're editing to. Uh, and, and you get a placement within weeks of releasing an album. But that album ca- could also be stored on a hard drive somewhere on the editor's computer. And they stumble upon this great track or just this one great sound that you did two or three years later. So um, it's it's really, really... It's 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 really hard to plan out a career with stuff that is so random, <laughs> mm. because getting a placement is, of course, there's a system for it, and, and the industry works, of course, but but it is completely random when you get a placement. It's always out of nothing. You get an email, hey, your music was used in blah 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 blah, and okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really hard to explain how an industry like that can work for anyone, but it does <laughs> somehow. Yeah. What are your thoughts right now about quantity versus quality? Oh man, that's such a great question because it seems to that also you know talking about. Uh, industry which is basically born out of randomness right it's it's this is also so random random from composer to composer because i know composers and publishers really big publishers who are working with this mentality that a good track is better than a perfect track and they will maybe do one maybe two edits on a track and then they just put it out to the industry and they get a billion placements all the time. And then there are publishers that will have you work on the same damn track with new edits for a month straight. And they also get a lot of <laughs> placements. Oh, you know? yeah. So it's, it's really, I guess I, and, and that could be hurting for myself, to say that, but I guess I lean more towards the the whole good is better than, better than perfect mentality. 
um, because yeah, I, I actually don't really know why, but it's it's probably because I have a hard time keeping focus on on the same thing for <laughs> long periods of time. I guess it's some kind of ADHD down the line somewhere. But but you know, I can get bored with a track if I have to do edits week after week after week. Suddenly, I don't like the track anymore, and I don't want to work on it. So, yeah, I would say. Uh, of course, the, the tracks has to be good. There has to be some sort of quality, but I would say a good middle ground between quantity and quality uh, is the good focus point. Yeah, good and not perfect. Shit. Yeah. There we go. That's that's your first gem. Bam! Drop the mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, now everything is just like downwards from here. No, I'm. I, but I'm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, man, that's so. That's so great. You're saying that because you know what? When I'm thinking about uh, the amount of not uh, uh, the amount of the hustle culture and how people. Yeah put out there, you got to put it your best, you got to be this, da, la, 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 la. But every person's minimum is different, right? So, yeah. so I'm, I'm just, I'm just in my, in my, in my eyes, you can call it a loser mentality, but I'm every day that I'm working on my DAW, I am upping my minimum and then I'm becoming, and then the, the good becomes way better. And my good yeah. can be can be someone's perfect and the opposite, you know. Exactly. And 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 so I love I love that you say that. And and that brings me to another question: How many how many unlicensed tracks do you have since two thousand seventeen? Oh man, unlicensed. Well, well, that's that's actually a tricky question because I tend to. Uh, and here comes a little trick from the industry. <laughs> I tend to mostly, not all the time, but but eighty percent of of the publishers I work with also put out either new albums or albums that are getting one or two years old out to the TV industry. So, and with TV, it's it's an even longer wait time before you know if anything was used because it's so royalty based right um so i i don't know what tracks has been licensed and used in tv uh, out, out of all the tracks i have but but i would say if if we're only talking placements with you know like a trailer with a, a sync fee upfront payment i would say i have about uh, a thousand maybe a thousand one hundred two hundred tracks in the industry and maybe a uh, hundred of them have been licensed for trailers that i know of and then there's all the tv stuff i talked about which i will find out in years time <laughs> wow a thousand yeah that's a lot still for me i'm sorry that's a lot of time behind um, a builder <laughs> yeah yeah that's a lot but the the question that i'm also uh, that also comes from here how many so how many tracks uh, do you have a lot of tracks that you've made that you haven't even pitched um, yep 
I, I have some tracks. Well, of course, I have the tracks that that the publisher just didn't want. It happens all the time. You know, every time you you get ten tracks signed with the publisher, maybe ten other tracks was declined. That's mm. just the way of the business. Um, but there's also sometimes when I I have this one rule, even though I said I don't like to work a long time on stuff, I have this one rule that I do not compose and mix the track the same day. Um, so sometimes I will compose a track and think that's cool. And then the day after I'll come back and, and listen to it, you know, for either for doing some edits for stuff that I clearly already can hear doesn't work. Uh, and and to mix it, but sometimes the I sit back with fresh ears and listen to the track, and it it just doesn't sound right, uh, and then I scratch the track. Um, then maybe sometimes there's a, either it could be a, a melody or a special uh, sound or you know um, that I will take from that one track and then try to develop another track around, uh, and that track always seems to be one of the better tracks that get signed at a publisher. So so I have, I don't have many tracks that I have scratched, but that's been a good amount of of tracks that went into the bin. Got you. When you started yeah. off, when you started off, did you have yeah. a lot? What did you have? You, you know, because I've been playing in bands since I was very very young i have you know gathered uh, different kind of instruments over the time since i am mainly a guitarist and a drummer kind of on the same level so i have a bunch of guitars and amps and drums and so on so when it comes to those instruments i record those myself i don't use samples or anything um but when it comes to composing gear, I started out on a old MacBook Air, I believe, with eight gigabytes of RAM mm-hmm. <laughs> and some really, really bad—not even bad monitors, but you know, bad computer speakers. You know, those small ones that um, have absolutely no low end. And- a lot of mid <laughs> and a lot of ice. Oh wow! Um, and and I I had that, um, and that's how I started out the the whole video game journey. And I actually got to compose one two full scores or soundtracks for some indie game back in, uh, back in the day uh, on that small setup. Uh, and then you know, as you make start making some money uh, and make more money. Uh, you start to upgrade the, the gear, and and but but I it's it's basically it's been the same setup uh, for a long time. The computer has just gotten better. <laughs> it's mm. still the same operating system and the same DAW, and it's everything just got bigger. <laughs> yeah. How how long in the in the trailer business did it take you to really find your signature? Well, I guess the the real question is if I have found my signature. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I guess I float towards doing uh, 
dark horror thriller, you know, gritty stuff. Stuff that runs through distortion very well. That's that's what I like. Um, but but I like that before starting out in trailer music. Um, actually, f- funny thing is, I started out in trailer music, you know, being in love like everyone else with the big hybrid orchestral mega pieces. Um, I, be- I believe actually the first trailer track that really got me inspired was uh, the one. Um, What's it called? Sidewinder uh, by Phil Lober. Uh, he did that for the first Aquaman trailer. That's probably the best trailer track in the whole industry. Um, th- so, so I was kind of going into it, you know, wanting to do these big hybrid stuff and then quickly found out that my or- orchestration skills were shite. <laughs> um, so I started out in in the in doing you know dark sound design based stuff because that was a bit easy i'm not saying it's easy but it was easier for me to get into because i was always i was already kind of in that realm with what i did for video games and so on and then i just worked on my orchestral skills while I did that, and then apparently it got up to par with what's actually needed in, in such a production. So I have I have done a bit of it all, uh, but I guess my thing would be everything that sounds dark and nasty. I guess. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. found you found your your area of greatness, and then you expanded. And, and then you expanded from there. Yeah, basically. Well, it's 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 actually not because it has to be. It, it's not because it has to be dark. I guess you know, dark and evil sounding. I guess what I really like is to make uh, music and trailer tracks out of you know sounds that are able maybe not supposed to be used in a mm. musical way. So if either if it's a dark track or it's a, if it's a big positive track, I just really like to do something that is sound design based. Um, and, and that could be an, a big hybrid orchestral score with this maybe big weird synth line as the hook. Um, so as long as it has a big sound design aspect to it, uh, I like to do it, basically. That was actually a preparation question. If if you were to describe your production style in three words, what would they be? Oh, man, that's a great question. In, in three words? Um, destructive. <laughs> um, rebuilding and polishing. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's uh, yeah, that's a bit th- three words I can I can. I mean, you've made a thousand tracks, so you know you know these really well, but I bet you that if you take a, a beginner composer, somebody who's just beginning in this, it'll be a bit harder for them to 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 put Oh yeah, like I'm that. sure. It's it's all a process trying to figure out how you want to do things. In, in 
in an industry that is basically it's it's it's, it's basically free creativity for everyone. If you can uh, figure out something new and unique, you are going to have a lot of success. That's yeah. that's just how it is. So, so it's really, it's it's really, uh, yeah. And that's actually one of the things that I really like about trailer music is that you are always motivated to try and just be yourself. Because no matter what, no matter what you like to do, if you like to do funny, quirky stuff, there are all the comedy trailers likes to use that if you like to do dark stuff that's horror if you like to do big motivational orchestral sounding stuff there's marvel and dc and all that you know so there's really room for everyone no matter what you like to do when you got your uh, marvel trailer yeah what was the celebration like what did the celebration look like it was it was so funny because I was kind of. I remember it was. It was well. The trailer wasn't there. I I've, I I got to know about the placement a month after uh, it it was released. I think one or two months after. But I remember it was on the twenty second of December, and I had just closed down everything about my business for that year. You know, all invoices sent out and and paid and turned down the computer for the last time before the new year everything you know um and then randomly this email takes in that hey by the way merry christmas you got a, a marvel trailer <laughs> and 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 it, it was kind of anticlimactic because i was so happy about you know just <laughs> just relaxing and I'm not doing any more this year. It's just relaxed time now. It's Christmas. It's all good. And then I have to turn on the computer again to, <laughs> to, to do some, some new accounting, you know, with, with what I'm going to get for money. So it was, it was kind of anticlimactic because it was, it was the greatest feeling in the world because you got to have your music used in freaking Marvel, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's the king and queens of trailer music right now, right? Um, but then on the other hand, I had to do more work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, celebration wise, I was, I was just, you know, I was just happy and, and enjoying life going into, going into Christmas with, with the Marvel placement is great. <laughs> do you in general, I mean, now it's more prevalent and like you get more placements and, and stuff like that. How in the beginning, let's say to, to somebody who's who's getting less placements or to somebody who's uh, um, who's less experienced in these wins, did you have a way of, did you celebrate wins? Did you have a way of acknowledging yourself for going a step forward? How did you and do you go about uh, um, motivating yourself? Oh, hmm. Well, you know, celebration-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and and thankful, and I remind myself every day that I am in a great position with all this. Even if you know that that can go long times without placements, and then there can be weeks where you get multiple placements in one week, right? So it's, it's this huge 
constantly up and down motion through all this. But I always re- remind myself that I am in a position where I can sit down and do what I like to do every day. So it's more a celebration of well, life in general, you know, and and having built this for myself through these placements. It's it's more a celebration of that instead of you know a celebration of every single placement, if that makes sense. Mm. Kind of, of course, of course, you know, you get extremely happy when you get a placement. It's 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 a great feeling, right? But but it's more a, a focus on, I would say, everything. In, in the whole realm of doing what you want or living and <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of it's it's kind of walking your talk and being in a position where you're ready to receive these things and then these things make sense it doesn't make them less grand or more grand but you are just happy in general so you're yeah. Your 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 equal your your ground zero your your baseline is happiness. So you're grateful yeah. for what's to come. Exactly, exactly, and and of course the the you know the ultimate goal, of course, having Marvel placements is really really great. But the ultimate goal, which I'm 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 very focused on right now, also because. They are doing a lot more content on this. It's it's. I need a Star Wars placement, and then I can die happy. <laughs> that, that's that's the ultimate goal. That one will be celebrated in some way because it's it's such a big part of my own upbringing with the old Star Wars movies and, and so on. So, if 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 that can happen, that uh, that would be great. That would be up for big celebration. But but that would more be the kid in me celebrating more than you know me working in in this business celebrating for that. So that that would just be poor childhood happiness. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's it's great that you touched that because, in my opinion, when you when you talk about well being and all these things, um, in, in the way that I see things is that you have to give that child his space and yeah, yeah. some some dreams that you you had you've had as a child will never die they'll no, die with it's, you it's, yeah <laughs> so i mean whether you get it whether you get that star wars placement or not it looks like you're on the way there but who am i anyway it looks like you are you are at least answering that child's uh, that child, that child, and what it wants, because yeah. and 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 the reason that I'm talking about, it, especially with being in 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 that COVID era and everything, everybody was locked inside for two years, basically, is that everything's so serious, everything's so uh, um, certain and perfect, and needs to be this way and that way and blah blah blah. But yeah. but the child is is actually is is actually what what 
what brings the joy, what brings emotion. Yeah. In in my in my experience anyway, you know, like the 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 giggles, the laughs, the all these things, they come from the child. So I mean that for me, I want to give that child the minimum respect and the minimum that I can to to hug him and to really embrace and make him a part of this uh, of this journey and not to forget about him because that's what a lot of people seem to be doing these days. And I disagree with that. I totally agree on that. I'm, I'm all about, you know, living life and, and getting back to that, that, you know, what, what, what you talked about a, a bit earlier, this whole, you know, hustle and, and, and grind culture we have kind of built everything around i hate it with everything i have because it's 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 all it's doesn't matter what 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 you're doing for a living or if if you're currently living out your dreams or if you're on your way to living out your dreams it's the main focus no matter what you do has to be that you are happy with yourself even though you may not be in a place that you want to be yet but you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and and, and be happy no matter what because it's did you see that uh, that uh, picture that uh, what was it called james webb telescope took of all these galaxies far far away no have not no, it's 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 this great picture that they were finally able to take a picture out into space and and gather all these galaxies. You know, you can't even see our galaxy anywhere, but you can see a picture of thousands of galaxies in this one picture. And this one picture in the whole span of the universe is supposed to be what would maybe be a a, a corner of sand on the beach you know and and then it's kind of daunting on you that we are just floating around on this rock in space and we can't even you know we we can't even find other really other galaxies or anything we're just floating around in space being us so all that you know i need to make millions and i need to own that car and it's just irrelevant so, you know, for you living and being as a human on this rock floating around, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so, so it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's great to be motivated by something. And it's great to have goals in life and, and a passion to, to live by. But you also have to remember to just be human we're here for for what basically you know around 70 80 sometimes 90 years in in our small life here on earth and and stuff is gonna life is gonna go past you really quickly and and i would rather just be happy doing it than be sad about oh i haven't got my star wars placement yet because yes Getting the Star Wars placement would be very nice and I would be very happy. But that's not going to be the base of my happiness. It has to be waking up in the morning 
that should be enough, you know. So I'm I'm uh, I'm a bit hippie <laughs> about all all this, you know, just living thing. Yeah, man, that's that's huge, and and I'm a bit I'm low key a bit hip, hippie too, and <laughs> and and I mean. I'm also all about routines. I think that routines are are really, a really, really strong thing and are a key to making it as a musician in this world. And with with me, I know uh, I know that people around me they see me and they see a really hardworking person. And to me, I'm just I'm just me. I'm just uh, uh, going taking my minimum a little bit up every day. Yeah, and, but. The thing is that from this hard work and from this pure flow and from this passion comes there always there will always be a result in my opinion unless you're doing something that's completely out of your your league and direction. So yeah, my and and yeah, you know this this year for me I set for myself to make a full time uh, living from music. And I was so adamant and into it. And I've I've emailed so many companies, you know, with tracks and 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 all these things. And as I'm figuring it out all out, you know, I start getting emails back and more emails back. And it's just like this suddenly this avalanche of things coming. And I don't know how to I don't know how to to explain it, but something in me knew. And it was like I surrendered into this, and that's why it happened. Yeah, and that's you know, a huge I, thing. I, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I can't remember what it's called, but I talked briefly, very quickly, with Richard about this too. I can't remember what it's it's called, but it's basically you know when you put good energy out to the universe, the universe gives it back. And and we we talked briefly about it that that and it happened to both of us that while we were working our hardest sometimes there would never come any placements you could work weeks or months without taking a break and there would come nothing you would write a lot of great tracks but there would, there would be nothing but once you also you know surrender to yourself and and took a bit time off. Placements start to land. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, and and I've gotten more emails saying congratulations, you got a placement while taking a day off than I have while sweating in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird, but but yeah, but but that's also because I'm 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 in, in kind of living. With, with the rule that if I wake up that day and I really don't feel like writing music, then I'm not gonna, you know, for the whole trying not to burn out thing because I have burned out once before. Uh, and it's, it's the worst thing ever, not wanting to do what's basically your passion. You know, you wake up and you know it's your passion. You know that you really like to do this, but you don't want to. <laughs> That's a bad feeling. So I'm all about, you know, working hard on, on 
on music and your business and, and all this. But sometimes, in my opinion, of course, um, working hard on your business can also be taking a day off sometimes. You know, giving the universe time to give back, if that makes sense. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. And to those yeah. uneducated people who haven't gone to Richard's uh, Richard's podcast already, um, yeah, <laughs> Sigurd Zig- uh, wrote uh, wrote twenty tracks a week. He wrote twenty tracks a week. Oh yeah. So um, that was bad. That's that's the kind of beast you're dealing with here. Um, in in terms of in terms of community, because you're also in a in a place where I don't know I don't know what's the what's the what's the actual community there like, but I don't know about a big community in in your area in Denmark. Um, what what does that look for you, like creating community around what you are doing? Well, that's ba- basically. So I what I know of. There is basically no community in Denmark for this at all. Um, so community for me in this line of work is uh, a few Facebook groups. Uh, one, one is called uh, Trailer Music Composer Support Group, <laughs> I guess. Uh, it's, I guess it's, a, it's an old joke name, but it's basically almost everyone that, that does this line of work is kind of in this group, you know, and also newcomers that wants to start up are also welcome in the group, but it's kind of like, you know, everyone knows each other. Everyone knows each other's names. And, and every time a cool trailer comes out, someone in there asks, you know, links to the trailer and asks, Hey man, who did this? And even people that aren't uh, with the publisher that got the placement or, or the composer or anything, other people just post and say, "Hey, was this dude? He did. He did this great track." And so that's that's a really cool little community where everyone gets to. Sometimes people play jokes on each other and, and trash each other's music, and sometimes uh, you know people help out each other with with technical issues. I know for sure I got a lot of computer help in there because I am shite with computers. I, I just turn them on and they hopefully work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it, that, that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of community for me. Um, and then the other kind of community is, you know, from having played uh, a lot of shows in my own country and, and outside of the country, you know, doing the whole touring and gigging thing. There's more of a person, you know, a personal community out in the real world, so to speak. Yeah, so so, I I kind of get the best of the both both worlds from that. What are what are the top three mistakes you've made entering the world of 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 sync licensing? Okay, I can say the first one is real easy, and that was sending out tracks too soon. Because the thing about and it's not to trash other, you know, sections of the sync music industry, but trailer music is, it's, it has to be so extreme 
high quality. We, we, we're really talking people doing Hollywood quality from their home studios or their bedroom or wherever they do this music, right? It, it has to be music that sometimes is going to be played in cinema before the movie people are actually there to watch, right? So that is, that's definitely the first one for me. That is sending our music too soon uh, because that's why almost no publishers got back to me in the start. I'm 100% sure. Publishers that I am now working with today, they, they also told me that the first tracks I sent, they just simply just got ignored because they are not good enough and they get hundreds of tracks each day. So sending out tracks too soon without getting, you know, feedback from another composer, with, which I highly encourage everyone to do. Send out tracks to composers and they will probably gladly help you out with a few notes. I for sure will. Um, not that I'm saying that I'm anything better than the other guys. Um, a second one, what should that be? Of no-nos getting into the industry. I would say the second one would probably trying to do everything. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, trying to do uh, big orchestral stuff and horror stuff and rock stuff and hip-hop stuff at the same time. Because no matter how good of a composer you are, uh, then if you're trying to break into trailer music, you are still breaking into a new industry and a new way to do things and a new way to structure music. So focusing on what you really like should be your main priority and then you should really focus on, on how you're going to build these tracks and then send them out. The third one, it's, it's almost the same as my first point, but then not... But the third one, I think people uh, tend to, to not do enough of is enough research of the library they are pitching for. If you are, just look at the, the socials, you know, Facebook and Instagram for whatever publisher you're pitching for. What kind of trailers are they landing? Because if you look through some of the bigger publishers, some of the bigger names, you will see a tendency that publisher A tends to get a lot of the horror stuff and publisher B tends to get a lot of the Marvel stuff. And there's this, it, it's, of course, every publisher can get another kind of placement, but they, they kind of have this theme placements going down the line, you know? So if you, for publisher A that does a lot of horror, are pitching a lot of uplifting orchestral music, that's maybe not the best place to get that music in, if if you know what I mean with that. Mm. So yeah, so but but my question is is this: if a, a library comes up to you and goes, "Hey, we are starting to pitch this kind of music, and we don't have composers like you," do you see that as an opportunity or do you just say, nah, okay, I'll just go with, uh, with the ones who actually make this kind of, uh, stuff. Well, and, and that's the, 
that's that gets us back to the you know the whole random part of this industry because you could do an album for them or some tracks for an album that would never see the, any placement at all but you could also do something for them and that was actually just what they needed to get into the more uplifting trailer space or horror space you know whatever theme or section they they weren't really doing that great in so it's really i i believe in working with the people that you like to work with um, because if you if you're vibing with your publisher then they will also automatically push your music because it's it's a human thing you know if if I'm good to you, you're good to me. We we all gonna work together, right? Um. So, in that way, once you get to know the publishers, work with the ones the work with the ones that you kind of fit in with. You know each each other's personality. And and honestly, if 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 a publisher comes to me and they normally I normally do horror stuff with them, and they ask me to do a something big orchestral, then I basically look at my schedule. Do I have a lot of briefs coming up? If I don't, I'll take on the task because more music out in the industry is never going to hurt. Well, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, well, to, to really answer the question, I, I would, if I had the time, I would put out anything for, for, every library I work with if they ask me. Um, then if I don't have the time, I just politely say, listen, I have too many briefs. I, I can't do it. Um, but then maybe I know a few people that likes to do this stuff and then I point them towards those people. And so it, 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 I would say it depends more on time than it depends on, on the actual publisher in, in the case that they are contacting me for the music. Mm. Before I let you go, <laughs> I want to ask, as somebody who's worked with a lot of publishers, do you prefer yeah. generally to work with people who pay upfront or do you, do you mostly work with people who are just uh, placing your tracks and why? Well, in, in trailer music, there is not much upfront payment like that. Uh, you know, it's 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 the, the the normal way that you get paid for a trailer is that the publisher contacts me and tells me congratulations, your track or your sound design or whatever what they're used in this and this and this, and the fee they have negotiated is uh, this amount of dollars, and then from there, it typically takes two, three, four, sometimes not that often but sometimes even longer than that before the money comes in down you know down from the music studio to the editor to the publisher and out to you it's it's a long chain of people and money right yeah uh, so so i you you could say that's an upfront payment four you know, months you it saying? Is, four months yeah yeah okay. that's pretty normal three three to four months that's pretty normal um um and I maybe worked for one publisher that actually does uh, 
you know, a very it's it's a very small uh, advance, you know, upfront amount for just writing the music, uh, and and it's it's not every every publisher that does that. Um, but then I write for. Uh, I probably shouldn't say who it is, then they will yeah, just yeah. get swamped with people. Um, but I, I write for a publisher where it is more uh, TV-based. They also get used in trailers sometimes, but it's more, you know, normal uh, production music for TV and everything else. And that music is on a, what you will call, a, it's not entirely what you will call a buyout, but it's kind of, you get a, Big upfront payment for all the work for a full album. Um, and then you get, uh, you know, your writers' royalties down the line if it gets used on TV uh, and so on. Um, and I do a couple of those albums a year because, you know, it's upfront money here and now and it makes some royalties down the line. It's not the best kind of deal, but it's neither the worst kind of deal if, if you get it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been thinking about about this kind of stuff, and you know, um, places like the places you are talking about, which we both probably know their name, but um, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, like, and and there are also, um, I mean, it's interesting. With uh, I hear a lot of a lot of the other podcasts when they when they talk about. Um, uh, places like ah, I, for, I always forget their name, uh, but they're 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 they have an exclusive um, an exclusive contract with their producers, and then they're kind of trapped oh, with yeah. them. And uh, yeah, I know those. And uh, and they actually, in a lot of the cases, they don't pay down the line. They don't pay. They don't really pay back end. Which is nope. interesting. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in a in a similar scenario to you where I work with a, within with a library that is more oriented towards ads, and these usually are more um, considerate, and they actually pay for pay upfront, which is super cool because then yeah. you have you have you still have your 50 percent ownership. And yeah. that, that's kind of, that, that, I mean, it's not kind of, it's how I decided to go about things for now, because looking at things in the long run, you know, you, I really don't want to get a, 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 a Marvel placement with a blanket license. That would be oh, fucked no, up. That, that would be fucked that up. That means no money. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, that's, that's the fine line with, with all this, because, you know, I, the music I, I write for, for this library that pays upfront. Of course, this music is mainly for TV and so on. But there's no one stopping an editor from pulling that track out of this library and using it in the next Marvel or Star Wars thing. And and then suddenly that, even though it's a very very pretty upfront fee for a full album than you do that placement would have paid five six seven times more than that so it's it's kind of a weird place you know it's in between it can be a really good deal if all the music only gets used in cv and royalties come down in the back end 
But once you get those placements where there would normally have been a big sink fee, then it's a really bad deal. <laughs> so you, I guess you just have to play out your luck on that one. I, I, I see these albums as not because I, not that I put any less work into it because it's, it's music that I like to write, uh, but I see these albums as I can do four, five of these albums a year and have some, okay, upfront payments from those uh, that, that can, you know, keep the ship going. You never know if, if no placements are going to land from trailers. You just don't know. So I keep the ship running with those uh, back end and then uh, the, the trailer things builds a bigger ship, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's also it's it's also to me as a as a composer when you'll have that fuck you money, you'll be able to do yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, it's and, great, <laughs> and and that's and that's that's it, and that's that's just where it's it starts and ends. And um, yeah. again, because I'm 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 geeking into a lot of these uh, a lot of these other podcasts that that talk about sync and. They talk. There was one. Uh, there's a, one dude who I really want to have here, um, Dave Crop. He's um, he, he has a, a podcast called Fifty uh, Two Qs, and he speaks about um, you have to make what they want until you get the privilege of them asking the chef special. If you're and if exactly. you're exactly yeah, and if you're and if you're a chef, you're gonna you're not gonna you're not going to give somebody that asks if you're a master in in hamburgers and somebody asks fish for fish it doesn't matter how good your hamburger was that guy won't give a fuck because it's hamburger it's not fish exactly. so you'll have to you'll have to serve the fish until you get that that uh, um until you get that that client that comes for the the chef special i loved how he put it yeah and and that's, I mean, that's the ideal situation for me. I mean, that's that's where I'm looking to to live more of the time because that's where most of my flow is in, you know, in my zone, in my comfort zone. I can I can cr be creative and I can do the things that actually uh, uh, make me shine as a musician, which is amazing. Yeah. Which is a, a, a it's a scenario that I've gotten to twice this year where two different publishers were, were like. Man, we want you to actually do the style that you do best, and we'll push it. And that—that that was to me, it was kind of two "I made it" moments, you know. Yeah, because you—you you also have to remember that also. Yes, there is the part of writing music where you have to pay your bills and, and, and so on. But there's also, you know, like we talked about before, the kid in you. Just, just like I just actually today. I just finished, uh, well, it's it's basically a double album for a, a trailer publisher where they got to me because they knew kind of my history in rock and and metal and, and stuff like that. So they came to me and said, hey, we want to do a, a double album of trailer music with big, nasty, gritty metal guitars. And I was like, fuck yeah. Let's, Let's do go. this. Let's go. <laughs> Where were you? And, and I know, and I know, you know, 
the, the chance of stuff like that placing is minimal, that, but there is always the chance because I know for a fact, because I also did some you know, research on, on different libraries, there are no albums like this available to the industry right now. So it is a new kind of special type of album, you know, um, but but it, um, I'm not sure if the industry is going to accept it, you know, like they would with other kinds of stuff. But just the fact that I got to write the, these tracks with big, loud guitars and distort the hell out of everything, that was just way too fun to say no. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a that's like a, a release, man. That's so exactly. much fun. Yeah. And that's 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 something I really like, you know, the the ability to be you. Yeah. And in, in a place that's an industry and that's all yeah. like polish and people uh, not answering your email or answering with very formal uh, ways to, to your, to your, um, to your questions or requests. And you know what, from that, I have um, a, a funny story in 2017, I made um, an EP, a four track EP of uh, guitar trap. Which wasn't, it wasn't, okay. no, nobody was doing that kind of stuff because I come from background of, yeah. of guitar and I like, yeah. I like, I like uh, heavy hitting drums. So I just made, yes. made kind of a melancholic cinematic uh, guitar, guitar trap um, EP. And this label loved it. And we had a little bit of a back and forth. Nothing happened with it. Then after a year, I started getting checks um, from this show called Home and Away, which is a very known show in in, uh, in, uh, in the UK, in that area, UK, New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. And f- three years later, like after I'm, I'm getting, every quarter I'm getting like a few hundred bucks, suddenly this album lands a big placement. Like a, and you know, that's something oh, that I, yeah. that's something I never, even knew would work. I was, I was just like, you know, shits and giggles basically. And was like, what, what, what do I feel like? This is what I feel like. Okay. Let's, let's, let's try and do this. Um, but, but that's, that's, that's the thing because, you know, editors always want new and fresh stuff. Of course, there's always the trailer that just sound like the other trailer. You know, oh, yeah. it happens. Sometimes oh, yeah. I just use this, the same kind of tracks, right? But editors are always looking to find new, exciting, fresh stuff because they are also trying to land the placement, you know. Just because they're editing, it doesn't mean that they got the gig yet. So it's, it's really an industry that supports you being you because if you sound like the music that runs inside your own head, then you are going to be... Uh, unique in some way because you are the only person that that can can do that exact type of 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 way of doing things right so so if you just you that there will be some success down the line i am 100% sure of that yeah that's fire man I want to ask you for, for people who want to who want to follow you or contact you. Where where could they do that? My Instagram handle is just uh, Sigurd the Music Dude. I think, yeah. It was and very easy to find. Really easy to find. 
ah, nice. Um, so for Instagram, that, and I believe it's actually the same on, on Facebook. And Twitter is just uh, Sigurd uh, and then JJ, uh, you know, just the, two, just the letter J two times. Um, yeah, so for for people, his uh, handle handle on Instagram is Sigurd Jonk Jansen. If I'm saying it right, I hope yeah. I'm not. Uh, so J O H N K. It's an O with uh, like a thing on it, but you'll find it. Yeah, just like look yeah. Sigurd J, and you'll find it, or look at who I'm following. And yeah, um, bro, it's it was such a huge pleasure to have you. To be honest, I've I've been. I've been waiting for for this conversation for a while. I appreciate you for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. It has been very, very fun. Indeed, it's been a blast. Sync Licensing Gems, episode three. Go ahead, subscribe, comment on the podcast, and let me know how this podcast has helped you. Hit me up on socials. It's Roy Matz Anywhere. And see you soon. Peace. Peace.